If you're looking to save some money on your wireless plan, take a look at Visible Wireless. They're a transparent wireless carrier with nothing to hide. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible where you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. One-line wireless, just 25 bucks a month with taxes and fees included. That's unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Switch now at Visible.com. You shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. Like Visible, the wireless company making wireless visible. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117, and you're listening to Podcast Unlocked, the world's number one Xbox podcast. Now, finish this fight. Master Chief, out. What's happening, friends? Welcome to Podcast Unlocked. It is IGN's weekly Xbox show, episode 605 for July 26, 2023. I'm Ryan McCaffrey, joined as always by Destin Legary. How are you, my friend? Hey, I'm, hey everybody. I was trying to decide who to inter, inter, introduce first, but then because then I said I said, well, always joined by and, and Stella hasn't been here for like the last couple of weeks, so <laughs> I'm going to transition back over to welcoming Stella Chung back. Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you. It was really great. A lot of people from uh, who, who listened to Unlocked came up to me during Comic Con, and it was very sweet. So it was very nice to meet a lot of you there. Excellent. Yeah, I found in my experience that uh, people are much nicer in person because they either yeah. are just real people <laughs> and they're they're not online monsters or they don't have the the, the stones to come up to you and, and, and troll you to your face. I think the so. thing is they realize just how big I am in person and then they're <laughs> like, oh, you know what? I actually should be nice. So wait, uh, hey, it's great to see you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sound strategy on their part, uh, really. It's. I try to stay on your good side in the office. Yeah, yeah, of make, make a point. <laughs> and Khalif Adams uh, filling in from Randa Sanchez here for the for the foreseeable future from the Spawn on Me podcast. Ka, it is a pleasure once again. Excited to be here. Still bald, still bearded, rocking it out. Getting, <laughs> get a chance to hang with y'all. It's always great. You be you. That's all we need you to be and want you to be because uh, that's what we love. I love it. So uh, the embargoed thing that I was talking about last week, I'll just do this for two seconds. So. People were tweeting me like, were you talking, in fact, some of the guesses, I was like, wait, that you're guessing that? No, I was talking about the Monkey Island thing from Sea of Thieves. That's that's what I was heavily hinting at last week, but the embargo was up the next morning. So uh, everybody should go play it. It's so much fun. It's just had a big, had, a, had, had me smiling the whole time. And so, uh, yeah, I'm actually trying to get it, trying to get this thing updated right now so I can get it running in the background, have something fun in the background for you all. But let's get started with, this week's Xbox news, and I am delighted to say, big announcement, there is no FTC talk this week. Zero, no merger, no acquisition, just nothing. I'm going to get it in a little bit, <laughs> yes. just for fun. We're dodging it now, yes, thank God. 
Oh my goodness. Let's start here with something we actually didn't have time for last week. This is a big story that we just, because there was so much uh, acquisition stuff last week we had to get to, and the Xbox Live Gold stuff. So EA announced a new studio and a new superhero game. So the, uh, the announcement was as such, as we celebrate the 57th anniversary of Black Panther's comic debut, we're thrilled to announce Cliffhanger Games, a new AAA development studio based in Seattle, uh, is working on an original third-person single-player Black Panther game in collaboration with Marvel Games. Our mission is to build an expansive and reactive world that empowers players to experience what it is like to take on the mantle of Wakanda's protector, the Black Panther. Led by Kevin Stevens, formerly of Monolith, Cliffhanger has already brought together accomplished talent with leaders from the critically acclaimed and innovative action-adventure game Middle-Earth Shadow of Mordor, along with veterans of top franchises including Halo Infinite, God of War, Call of Duty, and others. Quote, we're dedicated to delivering fans a definitive and authentic Black Panther experience, giving them more agency and control over their narrative than they have ever experienced in a story-driven video game. Wakanda is a rich superhero sandbox, and our mission is to, is to develop an epic world for players who love Black Panther and want to explore the world of Wakanda as much as we do, said Mr. Stevens. Uh, Stella, you know, since you've been out for a bit, I want to start with you here. <laughs> sure. This, uh, this all sounds good, yes? What do you want to see out of a single-player, story-rich <sighs> Black Panther game? Well, so what immediately caught my attention was the fact that they said that you would have a lot of choices in this game, but that makes me think of like, okay, well, clearly in a comic character, there are already so many stories that are already set, right? There is, so there are only so many paths that you can take. It's not like a Telltale game where you can completely take a new IP and like do a spinoff and like do something else with that story, like with Borderlands. Um, so I'm a little bit curious as to what they mean by that. Um, but I am really excited because I really love Black Panther and I think it'd be really great to get that feel of, uh, you know, digging your claws into things. Um, so I'm really excited, but I, again, I'm very curious about how exactly the, uh, choice pathing is going to go because that's always a huge thing for me in video games. For me, Batman, the Arkham games come to mind. What's, what comes to mind for you when you picture what this could be from a sort of core gameplay loop perspective? Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think I think that'll be one of the kind of direct analogs. I think will be probably easiest to kind of make the transition between what we have an expectation for a kind of bigger open world game to be uh, for for Black Panther to, to kind of live in. I think it will be really interesting to see what potential ideas come through from some of the other games that that team has worked on uh you know mordor being a, a huge part of that lineage that that they've kind of pulled from the previous games that they've worked on and you know i loved so many of the systems that would have were in play for that that i'm like ooh, i don't know how you would kind of do that sergeants and and, and you know the, the the tiered bosses kind of thing that you would do in a wakanda game like this or in a black panther game like this but so i'm, I'm hoping that they pull some some strings from that and some threads there um, and, and it really will be interesting to just see, you know, what this studio's take on a very storied franchise and a very storied character is going to be uh, because of all the kind of connected tissue that's there and the expectations that's come there from the movies that we've seen over the past couple of years, too. So it'll be it'll be cool to see where they land it. Yeah, I also certainly my mind went right to the nemesis system, which is what oh, yeah. we were alluding yeah. to there. But then I remembered, in fact, I think we talked about the story on this podcast at the time, this is a couple of years ago now, maybe even three or four years ago, 
WB patented the Nemesis system, That's which right. pissed off a lot of other game developers who thought, like, this isn't how game development works or should work. In fact, I, I just I specifically remember Josh Sawyer from Obsidian. Uh, he was one of the outspoken folks that was that was uh, very publicly saying on Twitter, like, no, this is this is I'm not okay with this. Uh, and then, of course, ironically, what has WB done with the Nemesis system since? Nothing. <laughs> They've done literally nothing. The last Mortar game was Destin. Was it twenty? Oh, I don't know. Seventeen. <laughs> like it's. I'll look it up. Yeah. While I toss to you here for your reactions to this, because uh, you know, there's certainly a lot of potential with a with a single player Black Panther game. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think the Mordor formula works really, really well for something like a Black Panther game, exploring a semi open world, unlocking different territories combo systems that sort of build up as you build up your character i find it really really interesting the whole black panther announcement to me just like wasn't that exciting it's literally just a logo it's an image of a logo so we got the black panther expansion for the avengers game not that long ago and that was positively received i'm sure they can do something interesting here but there's not a lot for me to get hyped for beyond the fact that they're making a black panther game you know it's like okay it's a logo what does gameplay look like? You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, you bring up a good point that we've started to see, I think we, you know, we, we get this in film all the time with movies where as soon as a director and or actors sign on the dotted line, the announcement goes out, we're making this movie, yeah. even though nothing's been put to film, there's been no pre-production. And it seems like we're starting to see that with games too. And I mean, Stella, do you think that's probably attributable maybe to just trying to head off the inevitable leaks that, that happen with this stuff? You know what? Probably. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying like, I'm, I mean, I'm sure they were also excited to talk about their next project, right? So I feel yeah. like it's totally fine. Um, now, it depends on how long it goes between that and any like updates that I think a lot of people, especially with the way that the gaming ecosystem is now, you really need to start communicating with your community and your fans. Otherwise, they start to lose interest and then they start to feel like they've been out of the loop too long. It's not going to happen or they're just not really sure what's, uh, what's going on behind the scenes. So as long as they provide some updates, maybe like, I don't know, pictures of in development or something like that, I feel like that's a good path to go. But I mean, of course, there are always pros and cons with announcing things early because then it does mean you have to share things from so early on in development in order to keep up with people's interests. Otherwise, you end up with a thing like Cyberpunk where you didn't hear from them for like, what, three, four years? And then like that one original teaser and that's then a, they finally came point. out with yeah. stuff. Yeah, so. Boy, I hadn't thought about that one in a while. You're right. <laughs> Cyberpunk, same thing. It got announced like right away. And I think it was probably eight years between the time they announced it to when it was even more. Okay, it great. Finally yeah, came no. out. Like it was, a, it was a long time. I remember that being pretty early on in my time at IGN. And then it only finally came out. Uh, Kyle, one thing, although maybe I'm just, this is wishful thinking, but mm. maybe one benefit to, to announcing things this early is maybe, just maybe it reduces the chances a little bit of them getting canceled because like <laughs> you know a lot of, there are plenty of games that that I don't go know in, that. That, that get started that end up getting canceled that we never hear about but if it's publicly announced and it's out there maybe it's you know that that uh, makes it a little bit tougher for the publisher to to pull the plug if they're thinking about doing that 
I don't know. <laughs> what, what comes to mind is a game we're going to be talking about, uh, or I'm going to talk about in reaction to something else a little later in the podcast, is the Splinter Cell remake, right? Like mm. Ubisoft is kind of going through it a little bit right now, financially speaking. And they could have easily not announced that Splinter Cell 1 remake and just quietly canceled it. And I, I mean, I hope it doesn't get canceled any, under any circumstances, but they, they went ahead and the same thing. They announced that Splinter Cell remake like right when they started working on it. So now it's like, okay, well, hopefully that means you won't be canceling this when it comes to, when, uh, when push comes to shove. But anyway. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> We're in the world of everyone who can get it. It's like in, in, in the worst way. And it, it feels like that's a part of that conversation too. Like, you know, even today there was a another big layoff on, on, on in a studio that was well-known and, and, and kind of, yeah. you know, making making great being great games so it kind of relays that that messages of like we're putting stuff out with the hopes that it's going to land and that's the hope that it's going to get made and the hope that it's going to continue to go out and i don't know anymore what that means for how far out you you announce a thing because it feels like the rules have changed in a big way so yeah i'm, I'm fingers crossed with you i'm hoping that they that they can continue to do stuff and, and you know that's when this whole game winds up i believe dropping so we'll see but uh, on back to this this Black Panther game. So just to answer my own question from a minute ago, Shadow of War was twenty October twenty seventeen. So it's been nearly six years since uh, since WB used the Nemesis system that they went ahead and patented. So thanks a lot, guys, for for uh, you know just locking that up and then sitting on it. God, this is uh, Black Panther is certainly going to have to be a lot faster paced than than Mordor, though, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the the and it leads to that what that character does well, right? Like that character is 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 one in which it, you know, T'Challa moved around fast, and and you know whoever the Black Panther is going to wind up being in this game, you know, it's a part of that kind of like power fantasy of of, of that character. So yeah, I mean, I think uh, it, it would have to be something in which they would have to pull a lot of the lore in to kind of you know build that out to make it to make it feel good. But from a base perspective, like that character should be nimble. That character should be fast. It, it, it speaks to, to what that character has always been. So I'm hoping so. I'm hoping they nail that part too, because I think that'll be really important. Yeah, I, I want to quote our, our mutual friend, Paris Lilly from Gamertag Radio, because uh, I think he put it best with this too, because he's just dead on with this. He says, huge opportunity for Cliffhanger Games to hire from a diverse talent pool of developers and put people who look like me in the room that understands the social importance of Black Panther. The game can and should be an event to spotlight and celebrate African and Black culture. And Stella, I mean, we we saw the the potential of that on screen with with the Black Panther movies of of when you you know you put this in the hands of of the people who who care about it most that it's it can just soar. Yeah, I mean, representation is really important, whether it's in small media or like big media, like gaming is absolutely now, I think, mainstream. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I, it, it's really good to see it go from a movie format to gaming where people can actually experience like it's a more personal journey right because you're like you're compare you're actually controlling the character you feel like you can actually follow their journey a little bit more personally so i feel like it's really important to do what paris said and yeah it's it's great i'm really glad that this is happening thankfully this isn't the first black panther game that or i should say this isn't the only black panther game that we're looking forward to the great amy hennig Mm -hmm. Her one of her two projects for Skydance, one of them's a Star Wars project, but the other one's a Marvel project. And that Marvel project, it doesn't have a, a public title yet, 
but it is going to be a Black Panther and Captain America game where uh, you can team up, although you don't actually play in co-op. Uh, but I, I talked to Amy about this, gosh, last, yeah, last year, according to this IGN piece. And, uh, and yeah, so it's, the, I, I, obviously, her game will probably be out first, since mm-hmm. it sounds like Cliffhanger is, is kind of just getting the team together and just starting to build things up. But uh, Destin, I, I would imagine Amy's game, I mean, they're, they're both claimed to be narrative games, but that's, Amy's game is is probably going to lean heavier into the narrative, I would guess. Uh, and maybe the cliffhanger game skews a little bit more action-y, even though they, they both are saying they're going to be story-rich single-player games. I will play anything Amy Hennig makes because she worked <laughs> on Legacy of Cain, uh, the main writer, I believe. So, yeah. And the Uncharted series, like anything that she creates, I want to play it. Period. You know Destin is a big Legacy of Cain fan when... When he's talking about Amy Hennig, that's the first game that he mentions, <laughs> and, and not Uncharted. That's it's, no disrespect to Legacy of Cain; it's worthy. But yeah. it's one saying, of the it's your, the story of those games were unlike anything I had experienced in the time at the time. And then to go from that to the Uncharted franchise, which again blew me away in terms of like how the narrative was delivered. Just like I'll play anything she writes. Like I, I think she just has this perfect balance of figuring out how to incorporate excellent storytelling with the gameplay. And I just, I, I really adore the work that she's done. So I'm very excited about her projects. It's, it's been such a shame to hear about the Star Wars projects that were canceled. I'm very excited about whatever she ends up doing with this. Yeah, that'd be Project Ragtag you're referring to there from her time, her brief time at, uh, at EA with Visceral Games. But yeah. we'll see what her... She hasn't announced her Star Wars project yet, so we'll see what that ends up being. Yeah, Khalif, are you? Uh, you I imagine even if you're not quite at the the uh, Amy Hennig fanboy level that Destin is, and that's okay. <laughs> that that uh, Black Panther's getting uh, some getting some love in the video game space here, which is long overdue. It's about dang time, uh, it's like, like like give Black some flowers on Black Panther. Like Black Panther has carried Marvel for a minute. And, and I think it's it's been one of those conversations that I think a lot of people who have really been paying attention have been like, you know, this is something that should have happened a while ago. And, and now that it's kind of coming into these multiple projects, I, I'm, I'm hoping again that we that the companies that are that are really engaging with this and, and really putting this forward and putting the, the, the resources and assets there really do take care with it, because I think it is a moment in time in which you have this really profound black superhero who is in this space and you want them to have a really good game. I think we've seen that across a lot of different genre, across a lot of different uh, uh, video game characters and, and, and comic book characters where you're like, man, if the right team gets a hold of this, then they're going to have some magic here. And I think Black Panther winds up being one of those characters that not only has cultural cachet, but it also has just like so many ways that you can incorporate that into gameplay like like you know it's like having james bond but be even cooler in in a lot of different ways just from a physical presence from a technological presence from all the things you're able to do with the the, the tech that the, the wakandans have brought to the space it, it just adds so many ways that you can think about gameplay in a really fun and innovative way so I, i'm just excited for what this is going to wind up being and hoping that cliffhanger nails it, hoping that Amy Hennig's project nails it. And, and if they do what this means for 
not only visibility in terms of what more black characters can be in those spaces, but what does that mean for game players when they are having to engage with these games and understand that their main protagonist is, is of color. So I think it's going to be a really good time to be able to speak to that and see where that kind of breadcrumb trail leads. Well said. All right. Uh, next up this week, Ubisoft. This is what I was uh, alluding to a few minutes ago. <laughs> Ubisoft has reportedly canceled the plans for a sequel to Immortals Phoenix Rising. The decision was made earlier this month by Ubisoft's leadership due to difficulties establishing it as an IP. This story comes reported via VGC, who says the sequel was reportedly in development at Ubisoft Quebec, the same studio that did the first game. Uh, while Immortals Phoenix Rising received positive reviews, it reportedly only sold a moderate amount of copies. Many of the units sold apparently came from heavy discounting during sales. Additionally, its European sales were reportedly 70% lower than Assassin's Creed Valhalla's during a similar period. Ubisoft has recently pivoted to focus on its most prominent franchises, such as Assassin's Creed, so it might be unsurprising that a planned Immortals Phoenix Rising sequel was canceled. Uh, Destin, do I remember correctly? Did you were you a fan of the first one? No, no. Okay. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I understand that it's positively received and and people were impressed by the property. But if it didn't resonate with people in a way that translated into sales, with Ubisoft reevaluating all of the franchises that they're working on currently it makes sense that this one ended up being put on ice for now you know it's it's unfortunate but you know ubisoft's betting big on assassin's creed and going back to its roots with stuff like the splinter cell remake rebooting the prince of persia remake and uh it's unfortunate but that means that new ip often get put on ice you know for the business reasons yeah. Uh, Stella, your reaction here? Are you, is this, uh, were you, did you play the first one at all? Uh, I did not. And it just, it just wasn't my thing. Back then, I just was not really into like open world games. So this was also, I remember this because a lot of people compared this to uh, Breath of the Wild, I believe. So it was just, it came out at that time when like, you know, these games were being compared and most people were preferring Breath of the Wild over this game. And this game did have a lot of people that really did love it. I know a lot of people were like, oh, it's actually pretty good. You should give it a try. But it's just one of those things of, I think it just kind of got a reputation that it didn't necessarily want. And a lot of people didn't really get to play it or experience it. And it does suck because, I mean, I have a lot of friends who liked this game and really wanted others to try it. So I'm sad for them, but I feel like it also just, didn't come out at a great time so it's not completely surprising that it hasn't been uh, that it's been canceled for the sequel i'm glad you mentioned that because yeah i was just i that that same thing popped into my head and so i just was just double checking it came out in december of 2020 which like december anytime is tough because generally the biggest games have shipped at that point that's not to say you can't have a a hit game come out in december but Generally speaking, you see most of the most of the games that are going to command those fall dollars come out before Thanksgiving, before Black Friday. So December 3rd, 2020. Uh, it also, Kali, if you'll remember, it, it had a, it, they changed the name of it kind of late in the process. So there could have been some marketing. Like, I, I guess what I'm trying to say, I, I'm not quite ready to pin this on, pin its, its lack of success on necessarily the game itself. Like, 
IGN gave this a seven. Okay, you know, hmm. said it's good, but it, it was. I like the original name, Gods and Monsters, better than Immortals yeah. Phoenix spelled weird Rising. <laughs> it, it's just it. Immortals Phoenix Rising sounds like it came out of the like just video game title Mad Libs, right? Where it's like, <laughs> oh, it's like word colon two other strange words that don't really have anything to do with anything else. Immortals Bird with Fire coming to you <laughs> soon from Ubisoft. Uh, yeah, it, it did feel very generic. And I think, it, about, I mean, in, in, in both tone and visual styling and... It doesn't in, stand in, out. It doesn't yeah. stand out at all. I, I mean, I was actually surprised to see so many folks be sad about it not coming back and not getting a sequel. Because I felt like it was one of those games that felt very distinctly like a Zelda clone in the ways that we thought just slapped with an Ubisoft kind of you know veneer on it. And, I, and it didn't really land that, that well for, I think, most folks. I think it is one of those games that found a very niche audience and who was really kind of looking for that kind of gameplay but maybe they didn't have a switch maybe they weren't playing on nintendo hardware and they were like "Ooh, i have a version of this game that i can play on my console now um yeah I, sales meter sales matter in a big way uh and you have to make sure that those those games kind of really get their their due i also just don't remember ubisoft really doing a ton of marketing for this game in a, in a big yeah. way it feels like you know they have a huge marketing budget for most of the games they put out when they kind of put, you know, all that that money and resources to, towards a game, they usually nail that pretty well. This felt like it got thrown out kind of towards the end of the, of the year, like you said, in terms of release, but also leading up to it, it had so many things kind of going and working against it that it was surprising to see that it even did as well as it did. So, so I'm not really surprised that, that I'm not kind of going back to the well uh, with this one. Shout out to our producer this week, Jobert, who, uh, if, you were, if you're watching us on video, you saw a minute ago there, he pulled up the the original gods and monsters trailer when it, <laughs> when it was still it looked a little different it definitely had more of that breath of the wildy vibe going on and yeah yeah it's like it's it turned out to be a good game like i i also like you know maybe we're just sort of proving the point here of the fact that none of us really spent any time with this game mm -hmm. but you know you look at it here i i can't even criticize this cuz I, I i'm vocal about how an open world game needs to really stand out for me to super care about it these days because mm -hmm. there there's a reason it's called like the ubisoft checklist right it's like yeah yeah just <laughs> a bunch of stuff to do out in the open world okay but but this game you know that i would argue that it it was unique enough where yes it's an open world and yes there's stuff to do but it didn't you know i, I thought this was a pretty distinct effort here and you know maybe it's a a victim of bad timing if nothing else because the uh Ubisoft games have just not been hitting quite as well financially, so it's causing them to tighten the belt and narrow their focus a little bit. Um, now they're, you know, now they're making like literally five Assassin's Creed games, um, <laughs> which I, I hope Ubisoft. I will say this is like a pivot here, and I invite everybody else to jump in. I hope this isn't the start of Ubisoft kind of doing the Activision thing of basically mm -hmm. shoving anything that isn't the big game, in their mm -hmm. case, of course, Call of Duty, just shoving it to the side. And I hope Ubisoft doesn't just become, for all intents and purposes, the Assassin's Creed studio now. That would that would be a real shame. Well, I mean, they won't. They have Rainbow Six, and they have Assassin's Creed, and they so have So Rainbow Splinter Six Cell. is a, an ongoing game that, we're, that probably is never going to get like a, a new version. 
Mm-hmm. So I would I would yeah. argue that you know that's which for better or for worse, right? Like if you want to jump into Rainbow Six, God help you at this point, right? <laughs> It's oh, not for it's not for a casual bad. audience. It's not. It's not anymore. It's it, it's gotten to the stage of where it's almost on the same level as like CS:GO, where casual matches aren't really casual anymore, and people wanting to jump in, it's impossible to learn the skill set like right away unless you have friends who guide you. And like, let's be real, not a lot of people have friends who want to teach them like how to do this, especially if you're that competitive that you're playing Rainbow Six. Rainbow Six Siege, like religiously, you're not gonna want to take the time to like teach your other friends how to play this and get on your level, and then like have them rank up so that you can rank together and everything. So I would argue that Rainbow Six is not in the same league of like saying, oh well, but Ubisoft has this game. It's not really the same, um, which is why I think X Defiant is supposed to be their like starter shooter, and that's gonna be more uh, approachable than Rainbow Six because Rainbow Six is like way beyond now. Uh, I I don't know. I I disagree about the idea that people can't get into it though, because they've changed how the ranking system works, and there's different modes that you can access. Like I was just looking on Steam charts, like it's on UPlay, but on Steam charts it's number twenty three, yeah. forty thousand people playing it right now, and it's it's consistently been there. They're on year eight, season yeah. two right now. Um, I I just I think more new players get into it then we realize because you know it's it's on xbox you can get on xbox and play around with a lot of the operators it i will agree on the point that it has a steep learning curve though like if you want to get really good you definitely have to spend a lot of time in the game but i i bet we have listeners that <laughs> that uh play it often or or play oh, it sure. casually even it, it's it's, it's very like... popular eight years into its life yeah. cycle yeah, I, think I mean, it's got like 30 million players or something like it's something crazy. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and most of those people like, you know, again, they have been playing for a while and have probably stuck with it. And I mean, it's not impossible for newcomers to come into it, but it's very difficult to learn the game as thoroughly as you can, especially when launch when things launched, because things were so different back then. And now there's way more different elements to this. There are way there. Um, they've tweaked the ranked system so many times. And I mean, this is one of their best esports now for Ubisoft. So of course it's going to keep getting updated and everything. But it's it's one of those things of like you don't think of Rainbow Six Siege as like, hey, let me, let me go play this shooter with my friends. It's not like a chill game. It's very much sweaty, even though it's um casual, like they're they're the casual, like non-ranked matches. Whereas like Call of Duty, you can just kind of go in and just like, oh, I died. All right, let's spawn back in, let's do this thing, you know? So it's it's very different, and um, I mean, I'm glad people are playing it. It's it's yeah. a fun game, but it's 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 a lot, man. I guess <laughs> this is my own fault. I kind of I, I poor Destin was, was sort of starting to make a point, and then I just dragged us down this, <laughs> this for this Rainbow Six tangent. I I guess yeah. All I was trying to say before before I just veered us off the road off the cliff there was was that uh, you know. I do. I don't want to see Ubisoft become kind of the Assassin's Creed and nothing else yeah. publisher. And yes, Rainbow Six. We we probably aren't going to get another one because this siege is so good and it just lives on and gets updates year after year. But um, Khalif, it's X Defiance that, right around the corner, right? X <laughs> Well, hey, St- T- Stella said it's come a long way, right? It, it's it, it, it was has. not good when you first mm-hmm. played it, and it was yeah. Uh, yeah. it was pretty fun the last time you played it, right? It was 
awful the first the first time it had yeah. no it was like me in high school trying to figure out like what my identity was like who i was and all that stuff it had no idea <laughs> any of that had no idea what it wanted to be what it was aspiring to be and when i did play the play test it was great i was like wait am i actually having fun in this obviously some of the weaponry needs a little bit of tweaks but like every live service game does need to do that any fps game now um and the fact that the community was so happy about it i mean i was watching people play it and i was playing it with friends and so many people were excited about this they were like wait this is actually great the movement feels really good this feels like a great modern day shooter and it made me think, oh, yeah, you know what? Maybe Ubisoft can listen to the community because I've said this time and time again that I feel like Ubisoft just kind of sees a trend and tries to hop on that bandwagon, but they don't do it well because they're just trying to chase a trend. And I mean, it's it's I'm glad that they took the time to actually listen to player feedback and turn it into something that people will want to play longer than like, I don't know. Just, oh, we'll try this out, and then, all right, we're going to stop. Because it is still going to be, I believe it's still free to play, and it's going to have a battle pass system, which is great. So yeah. a lot of people are kind of upset with the way that Apex has been recently with changes and also with Warzone. So this might be a nice refresher for people to come in and be like, oh, there's a different shooter that isn't, that, that I can actually still move around, have really good competitive moments, but also be casual with. All right, great, let's try this. Wait, you can lean? I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> it's always about the lean. This week's Podcast Unlocked is brought to you by NordVPN. Hey, if you're watching a lot of sports like me and you hate blackouts, NordVPN is a great way to go. You can use NordVPN, a virtual private network, to watch live sporting events, TV shows, films that aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location to a country that is showing that event, no more blackouts. It's also good for plenty of other stuff like protecting your private data, your bank details, your passwords, your online identity. You can protect your data while you're traveling and using public Wi-Fi. NordVPN protects you wherever you are in the world. NordVPN threat protection also protects you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. NordVPN is also the fastest VPN in the world. No buffering or lagging while you're streaming, and it will stop your ISP bandwidth throttling. NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee a month, so that is a super affordable, great way to go. To get the best discount off of your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash Unlocked without the E. That's N O R D V P N dot com slash U N L O C K D. And that'll give you four extra months on the two year plan. And best of all, there's no risk with Nord's 30 day money back guarantee. NordVPN.com slash unlocked without the E. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. 
So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Tom, what, uh, what sort of dormant Ubisoft series would you like to see come back? Because there, there are several, you know, as, as in this sort of spirit of the conversation of hopefully Ubisoft's not going to just put all their eggs in the Assassin's Creed basket. I mean, look, you, you've alluded to it a couple of times about what the, what the, the, the real deal thing that a lot of people want. I mean, but it, it kind of speaks to two things. And I think, you know, the biggest one is for them to avoid the like, we're just going to be Activision stuff. They have to do a little bit more fan service in that respect of bringing in some of the IP that we already kind of know against. <laughs> Splinter Cell needs to come back in a real way. And also, if all of these other games that are kind of dying off in, in the, the Ubi ecosystem are there, it does kind of relight the fire of like there were still some projects that were in the mix that we still haven't gotten any more word of because they were in development hell like beyond good and evil yeah. which was a game that everyone has been talking about wanting and it still hasn't gotten any more traction than what we've heard besides it got delayed again so i think to me that's the the, the biggest kind of like what's happening their story because i think they could lean into to AC, which is what they're doing. I, I love the new Prince of Persia, what I got a chance to play. That was stuff was brilliant and fantastic. And now they have a couple of shooters in the mix too that's going to kind of offset what, they, what they've lost in some spaces. But those two games alone of a real proper Splinter Cell remake or redo or reboot in whatever way they want to do it that's technologically pretty and looks good and feels great. And again, I still think that there's legs there for Beyond Good and Evil and what that could be. Uh, with the technology we have and the space that we see in terms of more open world availability for what a game could be in that in that universe like man if they nail that that thing is going to change a lot of minds about what that series could potentially be so that's my hope you know give me some mercs and spies in a real way make it make it sexy make it look pretty and, and make it look really really good and make it play play good and it needs to have proximity chat because i need to choke somebody out and then talk oh to yeah them in ear. Is that how you is that how you make it sexy? Proximity chat. Hey, I'm like you know you, you know you're about to go right. You know you're, about to leave. <laughs> you know you're not you know you're not going to make it out of this alive, huh? And yeah, so you know it'll it'll be my old ASMR stream. But with less mouth noises and more, and more devious <laughs> conversations. <laughs> so oh. be, but I think that there's a space there. I think there's a space there for those games to live and and, and actually thrive in a in a much bigger and better way. We just got to see them actually do it, and they haven't done it yet. Boy, it is wild. Uh, apologies to the audio listeners, but uh, again, our producer Joe <laughs> showing some some Splinter Cell One oh, man. footage. Deep cuts. It, when I st like Splinter Cell One, th this was this was happening like right when I started my career at Official Xbox Magazine. It was I started on in October of two thousand two. Mm -hmm. game came out in november we had we had builds of it like within a week or two of when i started and we were all just like blown away at the at the lighting and at the like cloth physics where sam would walk by a curtain and it would like move realistically <laughs> mm -hmm. and boy it's just look how far we've come because that that footage being you know a 20 year old game it's like we have come such a long way mm -hmm. so uh i, I got to one one more point on this. So, Ka, we, we've we've addressed this on the podcast before. Yep. I am very much in the camp, and I'm, I'm not not that I'm rooting for this, but I just do not believe that Beyond Good and Evil Two will ever come out. So right. it sounds like Three. we're still optimistic. I, I I'm I'm less optimistic in the actual like will it will it make it to, to to the light of day? I don't think it will either. But I think it is one of the kind of most interesting properties that 
movie still has in its in its quiver i think you know uh, and also this is just wild footage too especially if you're watching this in, in video form I, I, it's it's i i hope that there is a space in which a game like this can live i think there are still spaces in which we see these big open world games and a lot of times it's about shooting people killing people it's about the you know killing characters all that kind of stuff it's that that layer of combat was in that genre and it feels like that genre has kind of proliferated in the spaces we've seen now i want more of these real story narrative play yeah. around with the world spaces where you can really have some in-depth character progression you can see characters really have motivation you can see all those things happen i think the beyond good and evil world was one in which that kind of came through in a, in a really interesting and fun way and I want to see them do something that isn't exactly what they've done before. It feels like Ubi right now is playing everything really close to the vest. And I want them to also get a chance to explore and do some fun things with an IP that I think that not only has some some relevance, I think there are some people who still love that that franchise. Uh, and to see it have a new spin, why not? Like, I, I don't have faith that it's going to happen, but but I do I do hope for it. <laughs> Here, what about what about Skull and Bones? Sorry to jump here. I know we want to move on, oh, but like yeah. Skull and Bones also, like, do we think that's going to come out? Because like it has been moved back I, so many times. That game I, looks good to me. I just yeah. like. I yeah. know, but like, is it going to please let it? us have it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I do agreed. think that one's going to come out only because if the sun, it's like cost. they're past the point of no return. They would have <laughs> yeah. they would have canceled it by now if they weren't going to go through with it. Right. It's yeah. like it's what? been this been what? this far hey, hey guys remember when <laughs> when we when we were uh wondering whether sea of thieves or skull and bones was going to come out first right that was a real conversation oh that we had yeah. at ign yep this game looks fun. like if you're into pirates this looks kind of cool you invade other ships i would love to see it yeah <laughs> I think I think people I think the, the, IG, I don't I think the people who played at IGN don't work at IGN anymore. He's been gone for like ever. Oh my god! I, I, think, I think the thing that we're missing here is the the time continuum between when sea shanties were hot and when people cared about this game. I think there's a space there that, that we've lost the, the we've lost the sea shanty crowd, and 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 now we're we're losing this game too. So I think, I think there's a correlation there. I'm just going to say it out loud. The yeah. rumor is they're bringing back Black Flag. I think they rebrand this Assassin's Creed, like the MMO no, or whatever. And I think that's what it. they're doing. I don't I, I like think that. those rumors are mixed up. <laughs> I, think, I don't know. This is I also, gets, Destin also yeah. thought Get Out was, uh, what was it, Quiet Place? So, I mean, take what he says with a very big <laughs> grain of salt, all right? That's right. <laughs> Hey Destin, are you are you putting your your uh, your best material on 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 your personal YouTube channel and bringing us the the, 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 the B the material here? Nonsense? Like, come on! I mean, if you're if you want to see someone read legal documents, sure. If that's my best material, hot redacted. Uh, yeah. Well, insofar as as Ubisoft, uh, hopefully not just becoming the Assassin's Creed house, uh, the the one. The one game franchise I'd like to see come back, uh, which I'm kind of surprised it's been dormant as long as it has. Although, I mean, remember before Rainbow Six Siege, uh, Rainbow Six had been this huge thing in the in the uh, Xbox 360 days, and then and the original Xbox, and then just like they couldn't they couldn't get the vision right for what they wanted for a long, long time. I feel like Ghost Recon is in that position now. I love i've always loved ghost recon going back to i mean 
not just the PC original, but then when they ported that to the original Xbox, that was uh, a day one Xbox Live game in 2002. Yeah, I mean, and and you know, they've they've definitely taken Ghost Recon in different directions than I probably would have taken it, but I'm also not a game designer. But in the meantime, uh, yeah, Ubisoft kind of focusing on the big stuff and canceling Immortals Phoenix Rising 2. Uh, the third and final story I wanted to get to this week is about next year's Call of Duty game. So for this year, by the way, we've been mentioning this as if it were fact, and now it, it is basically 99.9% .9 fact. There was a, a marketing leak for, was it, might have been a Monster Energy drink thing? Anyway, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, out. that'll be the game this fall, which is what all the reports had already been anyway. But it's next year's game. Take a listen to this. So more details about Call of Duty's 2024 entry appear to have leaked by way of an actor who claims his likeness is being used for the game's main protagonist. First spotted by Insider Gaming, actor and singer Luke Charles Stafford reportedly posted on Facebook saying that Activision is using his likeness for the main character, which he says is named Ratcliffe, in a new Call of Duty game that is scheduled to release next year. Quote, Activision decided to adapt their next main character, Ratcliffe, for Call of Duty off of my face slash likeness, and I am elated, he reportedly said in the post, which has been screen capped, but has since been deleted <laughs> from Facebook. It, uh, it also said, to all of my college roommates back at Anderson University and those years in Smith Hall playing Black Ops 2, next year we can beat the snot out of each other again, but I want to play as me, which is, you know, <laughs> definitely something you would say on, on Facebook to your buddies. Insider Gaming reports that Stafford also shared several images and videos of himself on set with a body scanning rig, as well as saying hello to what seems to be a member of the Call of Duty development team. The main character's name suggests that the Call of Duty 2024 game will take place during the Gulf War and is speculated to be a sequel to Black Ops Cold War titled Black Ops Gulf War. Makes Major sense. Peter Ratcliffe is also a former British Army soldier who participated in the Gulf War. He received a Distinguished Conduct Medal for gallantry in action. Call of Duty Black Ops Gulf War. What do you think of that? I think that's new. And I think that's... I think that might be an interesting setting just because it's different. Like Vanguard, we've just seen that setting way too many times. So I feel like this could be interesting. And I mean, I feel like... People really like Black Ops. Black Ops has been one of those games that everyone's been like, yeah, that's like one of my favorite franchises. It's it's going to be really fun to see that again. And it's really good to see both of these games doing pretty well. Um, I feel like, I don't know, I, I need more information on this. Uh, this is not a whole lot to go off of. I personally would have loved a more modernized setting um, because I, I know a lot of people have actually been enjoying Modern Warfare. Uh, Warzone has been pretty great too, but... I don't know. This might be a nice return to something like really serious because I know that things have been very unserious in Modern Warfare right now because you can have cats in the game. There's literally a what? this is a cosmetic thing, but it's yeah, there's a cosmetic and it's called the cosmetic pack is Whisker Tango and the operator you can have his name is Sergeant, P -P -P -P, you know, like like you, you <laughs> cats. <laughs> I said we were going to get a return to the more like gritty story of what Call of Duty is about right so yeah. i think a lot of people are also excited about that because again like there were so many comments talking about like oh my god this is not the video game that i knew like it's so funny to see a game go from 
incredible like hard-hitting scenes like no russian to this so um i think a lot of people are excited for uh the next black ops I Destin. love it. I love it. I haven't wanted to sign on to Warzone, but they added Homelander and <laughs> I am the target audience. I'm like, I want to laser people. I want to jump in the air and squish people on the ground. And <laughs> it, it like, uh, we had a video made about the update also, and the search terms are like blowing up. So I'm not the only one that I'm okay with Warzone having a little bit of fun and the campaigns still hitting that serious tone. Like, yeah. what did we just get? We just got a remake of two, right? Modern Warfare two. Yep. Yeah, and you know that was okay. I guess I'm mm -hmm. excited to see what they do with whatever the next rumored game is. And for Warzone, have fun. I say knock yourself okay. out. Okay, okay, but here's my yeah. thing. Okay, I'm gonna go on this rant because like you, you got me there now. So, uh, I only have a problem with this because Homelander would never be bothered to use an AK or like any other weapon because he <laughs> is the weapon and his ego would. Like, he would absolutely just body anyone with his own lasers, right? Like, he is the weapon, and he's only ever used a gun to, like, frame someone. And also, Starlight's entire thing is that she's not into it. She's literally an advocate for peace, and she is, like, a woman of God. She would never do any of this right. stuff. So I'm just like, it would make... Dual machine guns. Exactly. I'm just like, okay, it would make way more sense for, like, Butcher or Frenchie to be in this game, because Frenchie's literally a bomb expert who could bring so much more to the game. He could have a cool, like... I don't know, finisher with like his homemade bombs and stuff like that. And Butcher is literally in this. He will stop at nothing to do all the horrible like war crimes to get what he wants. And I'm just That's like, fair. ah, it makes more sense like for that. But yeah, anyways, lore wise, I'm just upset because I'm like, this makes no sense. <laughs> Who are they going to put in the Nazi? Like, <laughs> you know? Oh my God. Like, it's, it's oh, door doing, all right, so it's a scare. Butcher's not evil. No, no, no. I mean, I'm thinking about uh, superhero-wise, but I, yeah, yeah. Stormfront, right? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. To bring this back to this, <laughs> this Call of Duty Black Ops Gulf War rumor, Kai, you get the last word here. Two things for you. One, has Luke Charles Stafford acted in his first and last Call of Duty game by virtue oh. of, by way of this, this uh, ill-advised Facebook post? And two, on a more serious note, like, is, is, is the Gulf War, like, are people going to be okay with that? I mean, it's, I guess it's now 20 years ago. Like, it's it's not, it's the recent past, but not, like, the, at, at quite as recent as, as it was, you know, like, uh, what, what comes to mind is when Konami canceled Six Days in Fallujah the first right. time before it eventually kind of came back years and years later, you know, people just said, hey, we're, we're not okay with with a video game based on something that's still so you know fresh in a lot of people's minds so i'd be curious your thoughts on that yeah i'll, t I'll take the 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 non-serious question first that, yeah the, the, he's done his agent is pissed <laughs> his agent's like you lost us so much money what are you doing you couldn't have just held that on for for like every more months you couldn't have just not said anything um, I do think that the the kind of, you know, where we're at culturally, like, you still don't see planes flying into buildings in video games, like, because yeah. of 9-11. Like, you see a lot of things that we as a society have said, we don't want to see that kind of portrayal of those horrific acts happen in the games that we play. I, it will be really interesting to see the folks who were the most upset at the Six Days in Fallujah game actually coming out or being shared or even in, you know, even being discussed 
and where this will land for a lot of those folks. I think that those folks will still be upset at where we where we wind up being. I do think that this does give that team a really interesting space to play in because now we're moving into more modern wars in terms of what we as a as a, as a, as, a, as a people and as as a society kind of remember. Like you know, we weren't old enough. We weren't yeah. We're old enough to have remembered what those were, but not old enough to have remembered like world war one or two we're just not that old so you know that used to that was you know far fetched history or far far long history and now we're seeing you know recent history kind of come into the space and i wonder how players are going to actually engage with that and will the story be more kind of um you know heartfelt in that way will it feel more serious because i've always yeah. felt like black ops was the kind of offshoot uh, uh, IP, right? Where they were doing more fun things. There, they were playing with time. They were playing with, yeah, know, with Mason and the numbers, right? And the yeah, JFK right. Stuff. Like, yeah, exactly. Like that. Those parts felt more fantastical in that way. So going into the Gulf War, where there's some real deal subject matter to really have to take in, I wonder how they will kind of you know engage with that and what the audience will say once we kind of land it. So it's it's going to be a, a wild time to see what those conversations are going to be and just the treatment of the subject matter in, in the way that yeah. they're going to kind of touch it. So yeah, I'm excited to see it. Yeah. And uh, go figure that we are talking about like credible leaks on next year's Call of Duty game, which should be Treyarch's game. It's their, right. be their turn next year. But we're talking about Treyarch's Call of Duty Black Ops Gulf War when officially this year's Call of Duty game still hasn't even been announced yet. So <laughs> go figure. It's the, the, the wild world of video games in action. All Call right. of Duty keeps going. <laughs> we are out of time. I will save the Unlock Block trivia question for next week's ah, show. Ah, it's a good ah. one. That's right. Just ah. sit on it. You'll be fine. Uh, you've got a chance to think about it some more. But start measuring. Um, I was going to yeah, say, don't gotta, cheat. Don't go cheating. Don't cheat. <laughs> no cheating. Nobody cheats. Uh, all right. We got to get out of here. So let me uh, let everybody sign off. You can find me on Twitter, DMC underscore Ryan. Play Monkey Island on Sea of Thieves. Super fun. And, uh, oh, I will not be here the next two weeks. I'm on vacation next week, and then I'm on a business trip the week after. So I leave the show in the good hands of the three folks uh, that I will now toss to. So, Destin, go ahead and give us a sign-off here. You can find me on x.com at Destin Legary oh if you're interested in, in checking that out. Uh, <laughs> uh, I do YouTube stuff over at the Destin channel. And, of course, right here on IGN.com. Stella? Oh, yeah. Well, hold on real quick. I have Sergeant with me right here. Oh, oh, oh okay. <laughs> yeah. Now it's okay. Everything's yeah. fine now. Um, and uh, yeah, you can follow me at Parallax Stella everywhere. Um, I am on threads where I'm a little bit more active. But also, it is my 30th birthday this July 30th on Sunday. So, yeah. Congrats. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank Happy birthday. you. Golden birthday. That's what they call it, right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> the thirties are great. Don't you're okay. you're in for a good time. Yeah, your thirties are awesome. Don't don't mourn the loss of your twenties. The thirties are yes. even better. Forties are when it really all goes to hell. <laughs> oh, no. All right. no doubt. Uh, Khalif, take us home, my friend. Uh, you can check me out on Twitter, not X. <laughs> Khalif Adams. You can check me out on threads at It's Khalif. Uh, and you can check out Spawn on Me on all podcast platforms. Uh, we have a really fun show talking about the NZXT gear that we uh, just reviewed uh, and checking that stuff out on, on the feeds this week. So check all that stuff out and you can find me in all those places. 
Good stuff. Thank you to our producer, Jobert. This has been Podcast Unlocked 605. I will see you in a few weeks, but Unlocked will return for you next week, of course. Same time, same channel, youtube.com slash IGN games. Have a good week, everybody. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.